listener. I'm talking to you. Me? No, no, no. The the one listening to this right now. Yeah, you. We have some good news for you. We are partnering up with Mountain Primal Meat Company. Uh, they're going to help us push this podcast forward. And we've had a couple of their guys on the podcast. Uh, last week was Roger from Mountain Primal. And if you go back to episode 30 and listen to the episode with John Moss, that's a good one to kind of see what their company is about and kind of see see who they are and stuff like that. So go check those episodes out for sure. Um, but yeah, we're partnering with them and they've got good shit, like really good stuff. We've both had it now. Actually, on the last episode with Roger, we said we had not had their stuff and now we have. Yeah. If you thought the meat from Whole Foods was good, dear white people, <laughs> it's not as good as this. No, that's that's true. Uh, I mean, they have they have everything in the meat family. They have beef, pork, elk, bison, all that good stuff. And I cooked up a New York strip a couple nights ago. And actually, I just posted a picture today on our Instagram of my my meal. And man, it was good. But yeah, so you folks listening to this, if you're looking for like high quality delicious meat you should definitely go order some from them because they ship it right to your door and it comes all packaged nicely um there's their and their meat their beef is american highland beef those are the crazy looking furry looking cows Mm -hmm. i'm sure you've seen them um and it does taste a little different than like angus angus beef yeah I i think it tastes better yeah and they're antibiotic free hormone free i mean it's it's as healthy as you're gonna get and it's delicious so if you want to go order some you definitely should and even better we can get you guys a discount and when you check out if you use the code mission prep i know that's really hard to remember but mission prep some people can't spell it's mission one word and like (laughs) m-i-s-h-i-n mission mission no, but you know how to spell it, I hope. M-I-S-S-I-O-N-P-R-E-P. One word, mission prep. Put that in a checkout and you get 15% off of the entire order. So you should probably go do that. And you guys listen to this. I know we have some like really supportive listeners to this podcast who've like been down since day one with us. Definitely go do that because that'll make us look good to them. Because they'll see that you guys are listening to us and buying the meats. Don't make us look bad. Because of us. So, yeah. Go go get yourself some. Oh, and they the fuel sticks. Those are my favorite things so far. Yeah. I love it. They have, they're called fuel sticks. They are like jerky, I guess you would say, but they're not dry. It's, um, it's not dry, but it also doesn't give you heartburn. No, and it doesn't fuck up your stomach. Like That's what I mean. Like regular, yeah. if, you, like, if you get a Slim Jim or something. Heartburn, <laughs> that, Yeah, that fucks you up. Ugh. So these fuel sticks are similar looking but bigger than like Slim Jims and they're delicious and they're good for like my kids love them my kids absolutely love them they ate all the ones I already had <laughs> but I mean if you're going hiking or going to the gym or going to work or wherever you're going they're easy to take with you and they have how much protein they have a shit ton of protein in them for these little sticks um, six to seven grams in each stick and so that's a lot of protein packed into a convenient little stick yeah Pack some trail mix with it, go on a hike. Get outside. Get outside. 
for sure. Not enough trail mix is the best for you, but I mean that's my go-to. You got a lot of fat and sugar. Little M and M's in your trail mix. Is it a lot of fat and sugar? Get your protein in. Um, you know, um, probably some electrolytes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but G- just Gatorade Zero. <laughs> why not? But yeah, make them part of your little packing list. You know what I'm saying? They're good. Um, I'm super happy with it. Me too. And I'm super happy with the company and the people that work for yeah. Mountain Primal. They're Oh, and you didn't try the bison brats because you got the pork dogs. I know. You I got the bison brats. Kevin stole bison my brats. bison brats. They're so good. I love brats. I love just penis-shaped foods in general. <laughs> Phallic-shaped. Yeah. Nutrition. Oh, that reminds me. I'll show you this video later. <laughs> oh, God. This is no I'm scared. <laughs> this is video. This is video of why we're on here. I'll just show it to you why we're on here because we'll try to describe it for everybody. Oh, God. I'm, I'm almost scared. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, Inherent Vice. Is that Vice? Josh Brolin? Yeah. This and is Joaquin like, Phoenix. What's he sucking on? It's, I think <laughs> is it's that a, a cigar? It's a hot dog or a popsicle or something. Oh, it's popsicle. But just he just keeps on doing it and getting more sexual as he's driving. And Joaquin Phoenix is giving him like the eyes, like "What the fuck are you doing?" You're that, mm, and he gags by clutches. <laughs> wait, 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 wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> What's that movie called? It's called Inherent Vice from 2014. It's got Josh Brolin and Joaquin Phoenix. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah. phallic shaped foods. Kevin's yeah. down. He loves them. Uh, so yeah, that's our spiel on Mountain Primal. Go check out their website, mountainprimal.com. Type in mission prep one word at checkout and you get fifteen percent off. They also have awesome apparel and shit, hats and shirts, and you can even buy a whole fucking cow hide on there. You can. And a whole cow head with the horns and everything. So and it's already dead, just so you know. Like you don't have to clean it off and stuff. Yeah. So for, you know, any birthday coming up, maybe just surprise your wife with some meat. Yeah, they have like cow hide rugs and stuff, or the meat, or the hats, or the shirts, or the fuel sticks. Yeah. So mountainprimal.com. Yep. Surprise your your family with meat. Code mission prep. So let's get into our episode. Today we have Michael R. Shea. He is an editor for Black Rifle Coffee Company, Free Range American. He's been an editor for Field and Stream Magazine, and he's also an author. He recently just released a book called Rimfire Revolution. And it is now a bestseller in the outdoor world. And it's doing really well. But if you guys are listening to this and haven't bought it already, you should go check it out. It kind of goes... You tell them what it's kind of about, Kevin. You, you're the gun guy. He, the history and stuff. A lot, well, a lot of it was in history. You know, yeah. about what, you know, uh, black powder and where it came from. The, the origination of uh, um, weapons. And, I think the, a lot of people deal the backstory for yeah. guns and gunpowder uh, gun and everything. All the way up into... You know what's cutting edge right now, like um, that we've developed in terms of uh, bettering our accuracy and precision. So it goes all the way through everything, and it covers. And why it's really another good way to ch- reason to check it out is the way he has done it, where it's interviewing a lot of different people around this field with all their perspective. It's not one guy putting his blanket statement on a book, and this is the way I feel, and this is how I'm doing it. It's from a lot of different perspectives. So. That's what I think makes it stand out from a lot of the books on that similar um, similar uh, field craft. Mm-hmm. So check it out. Yeah, Rimfire Revolution, Michael Arche's book. So, anyways, he was our guest today. We were. It's weird because we're. Rec- I'm just going to tell you guys we're recording this intro the day after we recorded our interview with him. While we were recording the interview, we were sitting on the back porch of a cabin up in the mountains, 
and we had a nice little backdrop for our podcast. Oh, yeah, it was super sexy. In fact, we filmed the porno, and we called it Rimfire Revolution as well. <laughs> oh, God. I, yeah. Anyways. Um, so, oh, and also, this, this is our first episode we've ever done with somebody on the phone instead of through Zoom or in person. And actually, it came out, the quality audio quality was a lot better than I was thinking it would be. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah. This is Michael R. Shea. And yeah, enjoy the episode. Yep. You haven't talked to my co-host, but he's here as well. It's Kevin. I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Nice to meet you, Kevin. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah, Kevin was a... He has a lot more experience with with guns than I do. That's for sure. He was a sniper and all that good stuff. So he's a much more, awesome. much more educated than me. I'm just like the normal guy who just grew up with a couple in my house, you know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we're yeah we're oh go ahead. Uh, were you uh, uh, Army or Marine Corps or Navy or what was your background? Yeah, I was an Army uh, Bravo Four sniper. Um, yeah, in Iraq and Afghanistan, and uh, um. Yeah, so I'd get some good, pretty good experience with that, and learn from a lot of really good guys. You know, um, awesome. Just about yeah, know. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's what's neat about the like I'm a civilian as well, just like a regular guy who takes my hobbies way too seriously, <laughs> and um, but like doing the stuff I do now for Black Rifle Coffee's been pretty awesome because I get to kind of um hang out and kind of be in that that you know, veteran world a little bit. And, uh, you know, yeah, the experience that you guys have, um, it definitely informs all the, uh, you know, not just like the success of Black Rifle Company, but like makes the um, the shooting sports and stuff like my book and makes it all, all possible, you know. Um, there are a couple guys who are like still fairly active who – I know, or met originally through work, and we've kind of become buddies. And they're like seeing all the social I'm doing on the book, and they're like, "Man, I gotta, I gotta get a voodoo." And it's like, <laughs> "Dude, you've been a team sniper for 19 years. Like, right. do you really want a 22?" He's like, "Oh, fuck yeah, man! Ammo's hard to find. Like, this would be great." So yeah, yeah, it's yeah, cool, no, yeah. cool crossover. Yeah, 22 is good. I, you know, I have a couple bull barrel 22s. I should even have a Thompson contender and those are fun as fuck, you know? Um, and you know, I feel like 22 is always a great good growing up or even just now still to maintain your accuracy, you know, um, even Pelicans. I grew up and still shoot Pelicans. We had a, a Fenric brow like that German or Swiss, whatever pellet guns, like a $2,500 pellet gun, you know, that's something that's way overlooked is pellet guns at, you know, 30 meters translates into a 308 at 300 meters you know what i mean um yeah and 20, yeah, yeah. i'm, I'm yeah. having trouble hearing you for some reason i don't know if there's like a vibration on the line or something uh, or if you're okay how, how, how do we sound now how do i sound you sound good yep. all right you're loud clear. you hear me too yeah that's better nice yep. all right so yeah that's what i was saying as a um yeah I grew up a lot and I still do shoot 22s and pellet guns to refine accuracy and precision. Um, you know, and I feel like a lot of people overlook those just because, you know, you want to go right to the, you know, big calibers, right? 
Like, I got to go to the three-way. I got to go to my 6.5, you know, or whatever, that you're 243. It's like, nah, yeah, shoot 22s, shoot pellet guns, quality, quality ones, you know, and and get your shit dialed in because it's fun. Like you're saying, um, no, I think it's a great it's a great way to get, get to that without having to spend a lot of money, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a great, um, great, great training tool, you know, and you're not going to um, have to deal with, uh, with recoil or, like, needing to find a 1,000 yards. Um, like, I went to um, my buddies trying to start a little PRS match here, so I went yesterday morning, drove, like, an hour and a half into Pennsylvania, and we set up, and he had barricades and everything, and it was cool, but I have a six millimeter Creedmoor and the furthest target was, uh, uh, five eighty five. And well, every barricade, every shot, like with that round, it was just like ringing steel, ding, ding, oh, yeah. ding, ding, you know, cause it's just it has, the guns have gotten so good. Like that's not challenging even from a goofy position for me at least. No. You know? Yeah. You're absolutely, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. But you take a 22 and you go to 200 yards, which is much easier to get to you know, decrease target size, and all of a sudden, like, you can, it can be a rodeo, you know, a 10-mile-an-hour yeah. wind with a 22, and you got to, you know, things are things are moving, things are happening, and you got to adjust, and so I just always, you know, being on the East Coast, it was very much a no-brainer, um, I would say a no-brainer, but it, it came natural, like, if I wanted to do sniper shit and PRS stuff and shoot long and spin turrets and figure out wind and like develop that skill set. It really was the only option, the best option, you know, and you get into shooting 22s, 500 yards like we do here. And, um, you know, that's like a mile shot with a comparable center fire. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, yeah, 600 meters, you know, if your fundamentals are good and you're, and you're in a prone position, 600 meters should not be a missed shot, you know? Yeah. Like 600 meters, even if you're pulling rounds or your breathing is all off, that's like that magic distance. That's the one where, okay, you may be off, you know, if you're still working in MOA, if you're off, you know, one minute, okay, you're only six inches off and the target's 20 inches wide, you're still going to hit it somewhere, you know? Um, like yeah, if you're pull, if you're pulling rounds at 600 meters, you're just you're fucked up. Like your fundamentals just aren't there, you know. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. Your fundamentals are way off, or your data's real bad, or there's yeah. there's some major malfunction. Yeah, yeah, and so that's that's good. That and that's good. That's why I like PRS shoot. Like I haven't done any PRS matches, but that's why I like the whole. That's why I like the community because these are obviously guys. Doesn't matter if they're military or not who value putting time into something and getting better at it because they realize the same thing. You know, versus someone who's like, oh, man, like, I got my 308 out and shot at 300 yards. Like, cool, that's my, that's where I confirm my zero at. You know, like, you just told yeah. me how much time you put into this, and it's not a whole lot, you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah exactly. So I like the civilian rules really push. The civilian rules always push the military side, you know? Um, you know, when, yeah. we, when we employed the M24, it was in 1986, 87, that was based off of a civilian competition rifle, you know, that Remington 700 model. Um you know, and the way, when we moved to, uh, you know, we don't use MOA anymore, right? We're in radians and, um, 
and yep. that came from you know that's the british sniper military that's you know the european snipers because they're 10 years ahead of us at any given time on that stuff um you know so the civilian market i mean seven world's always driven the military side with the knowledge and education because those are the guys out there putting the rounds and the time in you know yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely they have the they have the luxury of uh of training time and better budgets and you know they're not limited to procurement you know they want to try a new optic or a new kestrel or a new whatever you know and that's where the market that's the market recognized that and it uh it responded to these civilian shooters so did you are you, are you from new york did you grow up there yeah, so I grew up in um, in New England, in like Eastern Connecticut. Um, okay. My whole family's from Rhode Island, but then I traveled all around, um, moved around a lot, and ended up back in um, New York for grad school, and then ended up meeting my wife and moved out of the city and got um, this. This just kind of land, landed up here. Actually, I had a deer lease in upstate New York, and that's how. Um, I found this area, and we just kind of fell in love. I was coming up here to deer hunt and started looking for houses and landed here. So I'm about, I'm about like, six hours, seven hours from where I grew up. Okay, yeah, because wow. I think, like, most people who've never spent time anywhere on the East Coast, when they think New York, they think New York City, you know, big city. Yeah. And I think a lot of people aren't aware, like, how much rural area and rural land there is in New York. Yeah, yeah, it's always, it's, it's sort of like that supplement commercial everywhere I go. I say New York, people are like, New York City! <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> it's not that, dude. Like, I shoot rifles out my office door, yeah. you know? It is, it is countrified, you know? We have, we have like, uh, just about 40 acres on a state forest and live on a dirt road, and our nearest neighbor is like, maybe a half mile away, um... So it's it's very rural, you know. I've spent, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rural. Okay, yeah, that, that's that's like where we are right now because we live closer to Boise, and Boise's becoming kind of a big city. But <clears throat> we're up. Actually, you were just in Idaho recently, bear hunting. You said you were up around McCall, yep. up around McCall, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's where we are right now. We're really close to McCall. And I, I love this. I just love this country up here. It's like when I retire, when I retire, this is probably where I would want to retire up here, kind of away from the city. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, McCall's beautiful, and it's amazing, um, like, the, the growth that's happening there, like, not just in Boise. Like, I've been going out to Idaho for years now um, and hunting around that area, and like just in the last like four or five years, like the growth of Boise and the development within McCall, it's um, it's wild how like if, I feel like it was found, whereas like you know half a dozen years ago, kind of like a secret, um, not the case anymore. Yeah, that's that's a fact, and like we're both we're both born and raised here in Idaho, and to see the change that has occurred, especially in the past five ten years, it's insanity. I get it. Because, like, I've said this before, but if I like living here, why the hell wouldn't somebody else like to live here? And I don't blame people for moving here, but I wish it would slow the hell down, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. But, so, actually, I guess, go ahead and t 
tell us about your bear hunt because I, I know we were going to do this in person, but your bear hunt was uh, successful from what I saw. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty incredible. Um, I have some buddies up there who have been running baits for years, um, and it was a it, it was a tough spring for them, as you guys probably know. Like the snow, um, the the snow was low and it didn't melt off, so they had trouble yeah. getting in there. Um, and they they got it set and it's a funny story like how it got started um i was in a deer camp with um you know i i work for black rifle coffee and i was in a deer camp with one of our photographers um and he said i've always wanted to hunt a bear you know like he's like that's like a bucket list animal for me and i was like well i got you and i called my buddy in idaho and i was like hey this this uh curtis former army ranger wicked photographer like just all around badass like he's got a we can kind of make a bucket list thing happen for him if we take him on our bear hunt and they were like yes 100 percent, let's do it so um so they got the baits in the snow the issue we didn't know how it was going to go and uh and and went in there um i think it was like the second week or so and um man, it was, it was, it was hot. Like they, everything kind of came together. Um, and Curtis had, he originally thought he was going to bow hunt, um, and that, uh, and he had some gear issues and whatnot. So we ended up going to the rifle and had a nice, uh, chocolate come in or cinnamon rather. Uh, and he got it. And then there's another, uh, uh, buddy of ours, the guy I've deer hunted with, um, Tony, who's a Navy vet, and so I was like, all right, I'm going to sit with Tony um, and see if he gets one, you know, and I'm thinking about this for, I edit um, Free Range American for Black Rifle Coffee, so a lot of, like, hunting and fishing content, and I'm like, great, Curtis got one, Tony's up, um, I'm rolling video and taking pictures, and I'm like, we're going we're gonna to get a lot of story potential out of all of this. And then after, but after Curtis got his bear, we were jumping around three baits, like the weather got super hot and it just died out. And so then we had this, these like days of nothing moving, nothing coming in. And, um, and man, it was like, things were slow. I was thinking about content. I got a buddy in Montana. And so I called Robert and I was like, Hey man, I'm in your part of the world. Like, I can keep the party train rolling if you know and, and hop over the the cellway and we can hunt montana when i'm done here he was like yeah, absolutely like let's do it so i'm booking flights and things happened and i had to stay on an extra two days um and everybody had left camp except me and my buddy rocky who, who kind of runs the baits and we're like well i guess we'll just sit for a couple extra days and um man i'm glad i did because we had a an absolute stomper came in um one of the biggest they've killed off the off the bait there um like just a slammer of a of a black bear chocolate and he came in and i actually drew on him because i i i love to shoot guns and i love to hunt with bows and so i had my bow and i drew and i just it, it was just 10 minutes before last light so it's like 20 minutes after sunset and we're on the dark side of this mountain, just in the timber. And I, he turned, and I could see like ribs. And I had the peep was was or the uh, the the sight pin was 
was lit up and had enough light, but I just could not line up that peep. I just couldn't find the peep, so I let down and said to Rock, he was like, give me that rifle, and grabbed it and, and got him at 40 yards. Um, and, man, he was a giant. Like, I've killed, I killed one that was just, like, four-eighths off the book in Canada uh, a couple years ago, and, like, walking up on this bear compared to that one, I mean, it was, like, the difference between, like, a 140 and, like, a 160 whitetail. You know, like I just walked up on this Idaho bear and was like, whoa, <laughs> this is a stomper. So, yeah, so it was, so it was cool. It was like, it was like an action pack start of the week and then like nothing. And then I just kind of stuck around and it all, it all worked out. It was, it was a pretty incredible hunt. Yeah, that, <clears throat> that is cool. I, I've, I've actually, I've never bear hunted. I, <clears throat> I've kind of always wanted to, I, I grew up hunting, but over the past i'd say eight years i haven't hunted at all and kevin has never hunted he's wanting to we're both wanting i want to get back into it and kevin wants to get into it and talking to a few of the guys we've had on the podcast who are super in the outdoor world that's just like motivating us both more to get into it and i mean we live in idaho one of the best places to hunt you know and yeah, the thing absolutely. is, is like the, my last few years of hunting, uh, I worked on a cattle ranch up here in this area in Donley, right between McCall and Cascade. And I had access to a lot of private property. So the hunting was amazing. <laughs> so I was, I was really spoiled. Yeah. 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 And it's, um, and it's one of those things too. Like it's a, it's a tough, um, bar of entry you know like it's not easy to just decide okay i want to do this and go and get in yeah. and so if you're starting with that and then you have these memories of like great ground and then you're coming back and starting to zero like that can it can, it can be an uphill battle you know to to try to get started but like that's like one of the things i like to do like one of my kind of side things is i'm always taking people new people hunting like here in new york like my story about my buddy curtis he's like i want to get a bear um there's a young lady who i work closely with at black rifle we were talking on friday so two days ago she's like oh i always wanted to do this i made a couple calls i'm gonna get her out in october i got a buddy who's like actually a vegan you know mm-hmm. like <laughs> he's a great dude considering everything else but um he's like he's an ultra runner and he's like he's just different persu- you know like persuasion like that's his thing but he really is since the rona and like the self-sufficiency thing he's like really interested in this so i was like yeah man i got you like let's go so i'm gonna take him out in october um so yeah, man, I, I like I like spreading the gospel of like hunting and fishing in the outdoors. I think it it's great for get everybody involved and like I'm always trying to bring people into the fold, if you will, just for like those reasons you talked about. Like it can be tough to get spun up into it. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. Like the if you've never done it or if you don't know anybody who hunts, like knowing how to get into it is damn near impossible. I mean, nowadays we have the internet and stuff and you can research, but having somebody that's experienced in it, like yourself, who takes people out and, and gets them into it. That's, that's, that's huge for people, I think. And even like someone like me who, who grew up hunting and, but I haven't done it in eight or nine years. I feel like I would need someone who knows what they're doing to take me back out again. 
because and like I said, the last few years of my hunting were all there was it wasn't hunting it was it was shooting because <laughs> it was so easy and there was i didn't have to go search for anything i knew where they were i worked that land and it was like oh, okay i'll go out in the morning and and shoot that buck because i know he's going to be there and it was just because i was working out there all day so getting back into it i would almost want to like go with somebody like yourself like someone who's very educated and can get me back into it and i think that's big for people to have somebody like that in their life if that's something they're looking to do yeah, yeah, man. It um, it it definitely uh, it it. I think that's the way to go about it. I have another um guy I work with. Uh, very similar story. Like he grew up in South Dakota. Like grew up dirty. Like pheasant hunting and fishing and all that. And then joined the army and did that for a long time. And just kind of got away from it, you know. And like he really wanted to get into bow hunting. Um. And he ended up getting a bow and whatnot, and he came to my place here in New York um, in November. And I just put him on hot spots, you know, where he could shoot does. And, I mean, it was exactly what you just described, you know. It wasn't like he was totally green, and it's not like I had to show him how to, like, knock an arrow or how to load a rifle, you know. Like, he's mm-hmm. he, he, he has a skill set, you know. Um, yeah. But he just needed someone to be to like put him in a stand and be like, "Here are the do's and don'ts, right? Like, <laughs> don't look on your phone. Be really still. Hang your bow like this. Like, clip it in like this. They're gonna come from here. And like, you know. And it was a grind. Like, it didn't happen quickly in his case. You know, it was four or five days of him on post. But um, you know, he made it happen in the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's. That's I think that's good for people, and that's not just hunting. Like anything, get a mentor, and if you're interested in something, get somebody who knows what the hell they're doing to show you how to do it. That's that's big, I think. Uh, Yeah. So yeah. So from there, I mean, uh, so what was your inspiration for writing your book then? Yeah. So um, so uh, Rimfire Revolution. It just came out. It's a it's a book on. Precision shooting and precision rifles, mainly. It's doing pretty well, too, isn't it? It's doing, doing really yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, I've been, I've been like, pleasantly surprised, man. Like, it came out earlier, like, on Monday, if I think it was officially shipping on Amazon. And so I just kind of used that as a, and it was officially in the Gun Digest store. And so I just kind of sort of pumped it a little bit on my social media, really just shared it with my friends and um, shared it to a couple of Facebook uh, shooting groups I'm in. And yeah, it took off, man. Like it was a it was a bestseller in shooting there for a minute. Um, and yeah, guys are posting their the books are starting to show up and getting early five star reviews. And so yeah, it's 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 cool to see. It's definitely uh, got a little a little little gunpowder behind it, I guess you could say. Yeah, right. No, it's really awesome. It's yeah, I'm glad to see it's doing well, especially so quickly. You know, it doesn't have to be some is this going to work out? Is this going to do, you know, like you don't have to have that dread or anything, you know, if you're putting your, you're putting a lot of work and effort into something, you, you would hope to see something back out of it. You know what I mean? Well, and I, I think too, like surrounding yourself with good people is a really good thing when you're trying to do something. Cause you're, those good people are going to support you. Yeah. Like I've, I've noticed on Instagram, a shit ton of people were sharing your book mm-hmm. and putting it on their stories and i mean hell i i shared it on the podcast one because it's cool to be surrounded by a bunch of 
good people that are going to push your shit out there and get some more eyeballs on it. Yeah. Yeah, and and it, it, what was so cool about that, and it was awesome to see that happen, was none of it was planned. You know, it was all completely organic. You know, um, just the way it kind of caught fire like that. And I think I think part of that too, like like how did that happen and why that why did all that happen? Um, so so like my background is. I was a newspaper reporter, like, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, started hunting and fishing and then got into the outdoor world. And um, I wrote for a long time for Field & Stream magazine. I was one of their editors at large. Um, I write a lot for Gun Digest and, like, basically hunt, mostly hunting and some gun and shooting writing. But because of that newspaper background, like, if I have a question, like, I'll just call an expert, you know? And I don't think like with this book or like when I talk about this book, like I'm not trying to be the, the, this is how you do it. Like expert pontificating on like, this is the rifle or this is how you shoot or anything like that. Like if the, like the, the book itself is a collection of interviews with experts, you know? So like when I wanted to know how, like these Remington 700 footprint rifles from Voodoo work that kind of kicked off this revolution in rim fires. Like I called the guy who designed it and had hours and hours of conversations with Mike Bush. And same thing with the guys at Anschutz and, uh, you know, Dan House at Bagara, former Marine who like really brought a precision mindset to them right as they were getting started. Um, so, so I think like all of these guys, they kind of knew my work and like, I'm talking to experts, you know, I did, I didn't like invent the way ammunition's made or how to talk about it, but I did tours of federal. I've talked to CCI, I talked to the Lapua and Ely people. And so I think everybody kind of felt like they had a stake in it. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like, here's my ideas on shooting in rimfire. Like it really was a, almost like a community project. And I was just kind of the reporter who sort of pulled it all together and, and, and tried to format it in a way that people would want to read. And so I think because of that, it's what you saw was kind of like an outgrowth of that. You know, everybody had a stake in it, you know. And that's kind of one of the things that I've really liked about seeing it unfold is like you're seeing like multiple gun companies getting excited about this and multiple ammo companies. And it's not just like this is a, whatever, a, a Tika book, you know, it's not like that at all. Like everybody's kind of pumped about it because everyone had their little piece of the action, so to speak. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the best way to do it. You know, I, I, you know, when guys are writing books, like you said, the pontificating, you know, kind of perspective or just being esoteric when you're writing, like, okay, this is what I know. I know everything. And if I'm talking over your head, that's cool, but I'm awesome. You know, but if you're just yeah. literally, you're generally just like, no, I'm getting some of the best people and putting collectively this information together. Like, well, that's how, what makes it interesting. That's like, that's how science works, you know? So why can't we approach this in a scientific manner and get some of the best minds together and really break this down? you know, and get their opinions so that you can be well-informed, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's almost like curating, like, the best ideas, right? Like, curating, 
collection of it. And and it's funny, like the way the book works, um, it starts out like very much like this is a firearm. You know, they were right. gunpowder was invented in China and it was made of charcoal. And then you get to the end of the book and it's like Charlie Tarak prisms on rifles so you can shoot, you know, five miles. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So so like I definitely tried to take it through like like the beginner course all the way to to kind of the bleeding edge. Um but the last section of the book, so it starts off with these histories and like explaining how guns work, how ammo works, you know, how it's expansions of gases, not explosions, and like just going through all that stuff. But then I kind of got to the end and there was like almost more to tell. So the last section of the book, it's just Q&As with like thought leaders in Rimfire. So the last section is, you know, gun designers, an Olympic gold medalist, a Q&A with them, 22 Plinkster, who's an awesome dude and a great, like, ambassador for the sport, and then just literally picking their mind of, like, you know, what's what's coming next, um, so, so, yeah, so it was exactly that, it was almost like a, I don't want to, yeah, I guess scientific is kind of the way to, I, 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 I didn't approach it thinking about it like that, but I think that's kind of the way it, um, it shook out. Yeah. How long did how long did it take you from start to finish to do the book? Oh man. Um I've been in this world like I don't I want to say like four years. And I was doing a lot of work for Field and Stream and I wrote a couple um big rimfire stories for them. Um and then so I had like a lot of writing I'd done in the space covering this precision shooting stuff. Um, for a couple years, but then it was like, I guess it was February. It was kind of right before the pandemic, um, that I got, uh, I, I started talking about a book deal, um, started talking to my editors at Gun Digest and right about the time the pandemic was flaring up, I got the, the contract and then I delivered it in at the end of January of this year. So like just, so maybe like 10 months, nine months kind of paper you know, signature to deliverable, but, um, I'm like a research guy. Like I, my master's was in research and like, that's kind of what I love to do. So, so I kind of just spent all summer down the rabbit hole, like calling people and doing interviews and reading like books from the 1920s on this, like forward. Um, and then it was really, almost like November, December, January, like I was grinding at the desk and like actually doing uh, most of the writing. Um, so. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you have, you've been doing like you said work for field and stream and all that. When and how did you get linked up with black rifle? Cause I mean, we've now talked to quite a few guys with black rifle on, on here and everybody has been so fucking cool and so pleasant to deal with. And like we, we drove over to Salt Lake and went to the facility over there and did a podcast with Lucas over there. And everybody that worked in that building from the people at the coffee shop to the art department downstairs, like everybody was so fucking cool. And so how did you end up getting into that world? Yeah, man, I'm glad to hear you say that. Cause like sometimes I think maybe I just drank the Kool-Aid cause I feel that too. Like it is a, 
it's a rad, rad place to work. Um, you know, Evan, uh, the CEO, started it. Was always talking about having like this, um, this positive ecosystem. You know, where it's like everybody's helping everybody. You know, focusing on the the three P's and like building kind of an atmosphere. Um, and I definitely like feel it here. Um, I was. I was um so I was freelance for for pretty much 10 years. I was freelancing my like as editor at large at Field and Stream and stuff I was doing for other magazines, Men's Journal and USA Today and whatnot. I was always like a 1099 guy. So um so I was thinking like, you know, I should probably, you know, a lot of freelancers kind of will spin in between doing full-time work and going back to freelancing and whatnot. And I was kind of thinking about it. I was like, ah, maybe like this was kind of the end of, I guess it was two years ago now. Um, but I never really saw something that I loved. And then, uh, a friend of mine sent me a posting to, uh, Black Rifle for the Free Range American Project was looking for an outdoor editor. Um, and so I reached out to them, and then Marty Scovland, who does Coffee or Die, they were going to do the edit side of the FRA project under him. Um, he reached out, and we just we just hit it off, you know. And um, it ultimately kind of came down to they were looking for, like, an outdoor editor, like a hunting, fishing editor. Um, and I kind of had all those, I checked all those boxes, and... Um, just like you found, like everybody was just so cool. So, yeah. so yeah. So it's kind of like a just a recommendation of a buddy that led to me reaching out to them, and then it all kind of came together. Yeah, I mean, hell, we. Well, I said, you know, we've talked to a lot of guys. We started with Evan. He was our first guest from Black Rifle on the podcast, and that's kind of spiraled into giving us some access to guys like yourself and other people that work there. And I remember him talking about that when he was on the podcast about the positive ecosystem and then going, going over there and seeing it actually in action and in person and seeing like the gym he has set up for the employees, just things like that. It was, it's, we've said this on here before, but it was, it's refreshing to see a company that's getting as big as Black Rifle is getting be so good to the people that work for him and just be like a positive place. Um, and then like something like Free Range American, that's actually that's become one of my favorite podcasts. I, li- I listen, yeah. to, I listen to Free Range every week. I I really enjoy. It. I actually I remember hearing you on, were you you guys were ice fishing or something. I think you were you yeah. were on. Yeah, I think it was you and Marty Scovland. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We we went did a big uh, ice fishing trip over in South Dakota, and then we had um, Laura Zara on it, the survivalist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, yep. so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's I don't think you're drinking the Kool Aid, or maybe we're drinking the Kool Aid too. But it's been, <laughs> it's it's been a really cool company to. I mean, we don't work with them, but to be involved with having the guys we've had on our podcast and all that stuff, it it seems like a just a good good place. And we're we're finding that with a lot of the people we're talking to who have companies, um, like Mountain Primal Meats, which I'm sure you know those guys. Yep. I mean, they are. We had John on the podcast, and they are really good dudes. Actually, they they just became our first sponsor, and I mean, I we wouldn't have partnered up with them if we didn't believe in what they're doing and who they are as people. And I think you're seeing like this culture of of guys and companies that 
are doing things a little different than it's always been done. And I think that's fucking awesome to see. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's it's real, you know? It's like, it's it's there's an authenticity to people kind of doing what they love and being unapologetic about it. And whether that's hunting or shooting or, you know, just being a patriot, you know? And it's not like... It, it it doesn't have to go undiscussed anymore, you know. It's okay to to it's uh, uh, it's it, it, it's okay to kind of be unabashedly kind of yourself and be real, you know. And you'll find your market, you know. Yeah. It's not like you need to you need to beta test or like you know uh, PR test, you know, a, a company positions anymore, you know. And which is which is awesome because a lot of people are finding brands and businesses that sort of jive with their sort of worldview and uh i think we're kind of an early example of that and um and it's powerful you know people people are responding yeah yeah i I agree and doing what we're doing like just having these guys on our podcast it's really cool to just kind of be surrounded by all these people me and kevin actually yesterday we're talking about like one of these next times all these companies, Black Rifle, Mountain Prime, all these guys get together at an event, like the TAC events, the Total, Total Archery Challenges. And it's like, fuck, we want to try and go to one just to like meet some of these guys in person we haven't met in person yet that we just talked to on the phone or through Zoom. But just to like get around these people and kind of pick some brains and, and maybe some of the awesomeness of their company will rub, rub off on us, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and your awesome would rub off, rub off on us too, you know? Like, that's what's... um so exciting about all those events like we've done a couple tacks and like just hanging out with like the the guys who started jacks gear um like both slings or just rad rad guy lots of good ideas or like you know dudley and the knock-on crew is there or like the yeti guys and you know everybody who's just really enthusiastic about their space and like thinking and making moves and talking strategy and ideas and it's just it comes back to that like ecosystem thing you know yeah, yeah. and you know i've i've been to a couple packs with uh black rifle this year and man like driving home or flying home like you're just vibrating with like good ideas cuz it's such a such a, a positive ecosystem yeah yeah i mean and that's something like which when we started this podcast all of this the social media the video the audio it's all new to us and the creativity and actually using your creativity is pretty new and seeing the way people like black rifle or like any of these companies that we just talked about are doing things it'd be cool to be around all these guys and like you said hear some ideas let them hear some of our ideas shit like that because because you get that positive ecosystem like we were talking about it's only going to help everybody grow and i think i think that's we're going to try to try to f- figure out how to get to one of the events where everybody's together because that'd be cool to be there in person and meet some of these guys yeah 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 big skies coming up um that that one there's going to be a bunch of us there um snowbird i'm going to head out to snowbird that's going to be a big one as well um yeah, I encourage every you know everyone who's kind of interested in what we're doing. Like those are great kind of public events that we show up at in a big way. Um, you know, and you get to go shoot your bow on a mountain, which is awesome. So yeah, yeah. To- well, that, that that's another thing I've never done. I've never 
been a bow hunter or shooter. And I'd like lately I've been like, I kind of want to try that, get into it. Even if it's not for hunting, it looks just, it looks fun to shoot a bow and try and try and pin your target down with arrows. That looks like something that'd be fun to get into. Oh man. It's like, it's a riot. Yeah. Like I started, um, I kind of cut my teeth. I started hunting a little later in life. I was, I was 22 or 24, I think when I shot my first duck and I got hooked on wing shooting and um and loved it and like that was kind of how i got started moved into the magazines like it was just ducks 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 and then i started shooting deer with my bow and it like all went downhill from there <laughs> like it's <laughs> yeah. it's uh it's it's just addictive and fun and um there's just something like magic and kind of primal to uh the stick and strings it's hard to it's hard to put words on it man but like you you know it and like we've done a bunch of um veteran adaptive athlete shoots where we're taking Mm -hmm. out guys with various um uh degrees of injuries and like some people were ringing out with bows so they can like shoot one armed you know um and then there's a lot of people in the company who are who are hundred, you know, 10 fingers and 10 toes and just new to hunting or new to bows and getting them out there shooting. And, um, it's been awesome to see because like everybody, like it, that, that click happens and all of a sudden the arrow's hitting where they want it to hit and where they're trying to get it to hit. And like, it's like, it's like watching little kids, like watching my like five-year-old make a basket, you know, like you just (laughs) see their, their whole eyes light up and it's like, oh yeah, you're hooked. Yeah. Welcome to the welcome to the tribe. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll have to try to get out to one of those, and I'm gonna have to we'll have to hit someone up to invite us because we don't even know how you go to those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just show up, man. Just show up. If you're not shooting, it's they're open to the public, and um, if you are gonna shoot, at which they're, the courses can be pretty challenging, so like it's not you don't want to like show up with a bow you haven't practiced with. Yeah, but um, yeah. if you're not going up the mountain to shoot, then you can just it's like an open village. Oh, Attack okay. has a okay. has a wicked vibe. It's almost like a ski festival or like a mountain bike festival where the ticketing happens like at the chairlift to go up to shoot. But fuck, you can hang out in the village and go to our parties and just kind of be on the scene. Um, anybody can. Yeah, we'll we'll, so. we'll have to show up to one. Wasn't there? There was one, I think, or it might have happened already in Sun Valley. Oh, yeah. Um, I think there was a tack thing happening there. That might have already happened, but I know that they do them all over and all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's two coming up right around Salt Lake. There's um, there's Park City and Snowbird. Oh, Park City. That's then, what I was thinking. It was Park City. Yeah. Yeah, Park City. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, tax rad, man. You guys should definitely, definitely get out there um, if you can. Yeah, we'd we'd like to. We were we were driving up here yesterday. We were talking about like the events and stuff that go on. That a lot of these people that now we're talking with and we're kind of in the same circles. They all go to like something like a shot show or or anything like that. Is we'd like to kind of because you know like this podcast. We're still trying to grow it. It's fairly new, and the more people we get around and talk to and become friends with because that's kind of a cool thing that's happened with this is we've talked to guys like yourself and then we end up we stay in touch and we become buddies with them and 
Yeah. It's something that we never saw happening. Because some of these guys, like Evan, for instance, we've followed along with him for years. I would have never thought we would have sat down and had a conversation with him. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of yeah, kind of yeah. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what's what's cool about like the archery world or the shooting world or like the rimfire world that I'm in. You know, and just like you saw with that, all that social media energy behind the book, like it's, they're really supportive communities, you know? And so if, um, you know, good, good, authentic people tend to do well because it's, uh, it's, it just has great, it just has great vibes, you know, everybody mm-hmm. kind of wants to see everyone else succeed, which is, which is awesome. Yeah, you know, I feel a lot be. of. It is the way it should be. It's not the way a lot of the world works, though, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But um, I feel I feel grateful, like, at, you know, in my work life and friend life, like, I'm a part of that because um, it's, it's definitely special, the way everyone kind of rallies around each other. It's well, a, yeah, and everybody can help, help raise each other up. I think we talked about that on our last episode where, like, there's even a lot of similar podcast stars that are new coming up, and it's like, they're not competition. Like we can, we'll go on their podcast. They can come on ours. We'll tell some guests we've had to go on their podcast and help them grow too. Cause I think everybody comes together. You can help raise each other, raise each other up and help everybody be successful. Like I think you've, you've talked to, have you talked to Austin Jardine with the Vanguard project? Yeah, a little bit, a little yeah. bit. Yep. I just sent him out, um, a copy of my book. He's, um, he's, it sounds like he's a big shooter. So, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, he he actually yeah. he, he lives he lives close to us. We went on his podcast, and and that's one dude who I'm like, yeah, our podcasts are similar. We've had similar guests, but it's not a fucking competition. So it's like, I'll share his shit. He'll share our stuff, and I think that's how it should be with any any world you're in. Why not help each other? Because there's plenty of people in this world to be a consumer. <laughs> it's not a not a competition. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and the thing about podcasts too is when you like think about the way people consume them, you really see that, you know, because if like you're a, I don't know, if you're a 22 nerd like I am, like you're going to may see something on my book or on, you know, Rimfire in your search of Spotify or Apple and then download it and then find someone else's podcast, same thing, and download it or like the tack or the archery world is just like that you know people follow the the subject matter often as much as they do the sort of podcast itself and the hosts you know so like why not yeah. sort of have everybody help each other out because it's a the, the way the people are consuming the podcast is, is so spread out it like it only makes sense oh, yeah. to me you know 100 percent but yeah, all right, dude. Well, I guess we'll wrap this up. We don't want to keep you on the line too long, but um, tell everybody where they can get your book and where to follow you and everything you're doing. Oh, yeah, man. I appreciate it. Um, I am at Michael R. Shea. That's my byline, Michael R. Shea. Um, I have a Facebook page, Instagram. Um, the book you can get anywhere books are sold you know it's in barnes and noble uh it's on amazon um and then the gun digest store um it was published through gun digest uh i think that's probably the best deal going right now um but it's only a matter of weeks before amazon discounts the hell out of it because that's their business model so um but yeah it uh i'm uh i'm easy to find for sure awesome 
Um, and we do appreciate you coming on. I'm going to keep you on here after we stop recording. I have a couple questions, okay. but but yeah. So we appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Thank you.